ESPN 97.5 and 92.5 proudly present the Killer Bees. Definitely a fan of the Killer Bees. Don't sweat the technique. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here comes the fastest three hours in Houston sports radio. Here's Joe Blank and Jeremy Branham. Oh, hell yeah. You about to get all stung up. Ooh, what up, H-Town? Hey, how we doing? He's Blank. I'm Branham. It's Joe George, assistant to the regional manager behind the glass, and it is a Taco Tuesday edition of the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. How you guys doing? Doing well, everybody's well? Yeah, how are you? I mean, I'm you well. got back from the Little League World Series on time? No, I was just thinking about a YouTube channel that I could start. That's what I was doing. Oh, it was nice. We had, we had people that were texting in thinking that you were moonlighting as an umpire. I would never. In the Little League Regional Final. I would never umpire in a Little League World Series. You know why? Because you hate it. Because those are volunteer positions. Oh, that's right. I'm not going to volunteer to umpire a game. You pay me to, to umpire a game, I'll do that. That's right. But we, I'm not going to volunteer yeah. to umpire now, a game. Does that include like? But, so it's volunteer, but don't they? Do they get the airfare and the accommodations and everything I, at least? Hope, if they don't, hope so. What are you doing, people? Your love of the game. <laughs> Stop it. And the pain in the pocketbook. You're paying for the love There's of the game? Zero chance I would volunteer to umpire a game. Zero chance. I'm not sure I would do it for Branham Baby's, uh, Branham Baby's games whenever he's old enough. Not umpiring for free. You know, you're not going to pay me enough money. Like, first of all, you might want to be paying me a lot of money to do it with how many parents yell at you and coaches yell at you. True. Like Aaron Boone did to Laz Diaz yesterday. You know, if I was Laz well, Diaz, sure you know what I would have told Aaron Boone yesterday if I was Laz Diaz? What? I would have said, Aaron, I'm going to be doing this job next year. Are you going to be doing yours? That's what I would have said. That's a good one. That's what I would have said. That's a good one. He acted like a little child. I'm glad Dusty Baker doesn't act that way, by the way. Is this three? Did they say he was going for three straight games where he got tossed? Is it really? I think so. He's, he, he definitely, I think, leads the league by a long shot in, in ejection. He's a child. Like It's just, it, it's, it's sad. Like I'm glad the Astros manager does not behave that poorly. Uh, y'all did a good, bad, and ugly without me, and I was jealous, yeah. so I want to get my good, bad, and uglies in. And the Astros didn't play a game yesterday, so it's easy to do. I'm sure y'all talked about most of this. Uh, Sunday's game felt big for the Houston Astros because, one, you wanted to split a series on the road, which is okay. Like, you split a series on the road, it's always fine. Uh, you rather win a series, four-game series, a little more difficult to do that because now you're talking three of four. But you're in a spot where if you lose Sunday's game, you drop three of four. Also, with where the standings are in the wild card, it would have pulled the Yankees within two and a half games. Like, that was the difference between the Yankees being two and a half back of you or four and a half back of you. So I thought that was pretty critical there. And look, every game's one of 162. We understand that. But there are certain games that just feel bigger than one of 162. And Sunday's game feel bigger than one of 162. One of the things we said, too, was the fact that it's the Yankees. And whether they're in first place or last place... The recent history between these two teams, the venom that goes everywhere from in club the clubhouses to some degree, and and obviously in upper management with Brian Cashman, but the fact that you know the fan bases and Twitter and social media goes nuts that it, it almost seemed calm at the start of the series compared to what it's been over the last couple, couple of years. Even when Altuve stepped in the box, that if you would have gotten it taken to you for three out of four you'd have probably heard a whole lot more than you needed to hear from a fan base that has nothing to talk about that otherwise has been pretty tame towards you. Yeah. They, I mean, they, they boo you, but, I mean, they can't, really, they, they can't really do a whole lot because right. they, they've been lousy for the most part. I mean, they're still winning record. They're still in the playoff race, uh, but a team that isn't very good. Anyways, uh, I'm sure you all got into the whole J.P. France, Jose Arquiti thing. 
Uh, France was the hero on Sunday. It's kind of a good and a bad here. Like, France being the hero on Sunday is good because J.P. France, Jonathan Patrick France, was not necessarily bothered much by the move to the bullpen. Now, the reasons of doing it for even – I know it was only for one trip to the rotation, and now they plan on going to a six-man rotation. We'll see if they really do that. I think that they will. And I know it was only one turn through the rotation. But everybody's like, well, they, they need to lighten the load for Jonathan Patrick France. Well, he threw a lot of – Threw a lot of pitches in relief. He went, what, three and a third? Three and a third, yeah. And look, I understand that what he threw pitch-wise in that game out of the bullpen was like 20 pitches fewer than he what he would as a starter, but they were more stressful. Like, do you want 75 stressful pitches, or do you want 95 pitches where you're kind of cruising? So that decision was, I think you've escaped it okay. It didn't make me comfortable. I don't want to mess with the guy who's been really, really good, who has a sub-3 ERA. You didn't have to bring Jose Arquiti back that quickly either. Like, you get 30 days as a rehab assignment. So, like, he could have started another game in the minors. Like, it would have ticked him off, but it might have put you in a better position uh, going forward. I think they escaped it okay, although I need to see what J.P. France does in his next start to see if he was bothered at it or bothered by it at all. So it was kind of a good that he saved the day out of the bullpen, and then it was an ugly with how they used him instead of you know skipping his start, basically. So I went off a couple times on this, simply because J.P. France didn't deserve this. Because of the fact that he's been your most consistent starter over the last year, I mean month, because of the fact that you didn't plan on having him at the start of the year, needing him at the start of the year, or, or trying to see if he could help you at the start of the year. And yet, all he's been is your most consistent starting pitcher that give you, gave you everything he possibly could with quality start after quality start. And everything that he did to keep everything afloat with three guys going on the uh, IL and, and all the different things that they've had to deal with. And, and I compared it back to and likened it to when Dusty did what he did to Chaz at the start of the year, too. These guys didn't deserve this. And all they've done is done their job, whatever they've been asked to do. And in this case, you asked J.P. France to go out and be a fourth starter for you in a year when everything was turned upside down with injury. And all he did was not only do his part, but shoulder a lot more than that for the team to keep you where you needed to be in this race. And I thought it was borderline offensive to do what you did to him when he did, you didn't have to do that. Yeah, I don't necessarily disagree. I, I don't. I, it's the strong take, and I like it, uh, I, and I agree with it. Uh, Jonathan Patrick deserved to, to, to have starts in the rotation and to cater towards him. Like, okay, let's keep Arkady, even if it's going to tick off Arkady in the minors for one more start before you go to the six-man rotation. Cool, you're catering to J.P. France. Uh, you want Jose Arkady back so badly, what if he's the second option to piggyback Jonathan Patrick? And I understand, well, you want Arkady in a controlled environment coming off the injury. I get that. But Jonathan Patrick deserves the treatment more than Jose Arkady does because of how he's been pitching lately. That's what I wanted to ask both you guys. I understand a year or two ago this might have been a different conversation for a lot of reasons because J.P. France wasn't even a twinkle in your eye. Right now, if you were to say, of the two guys, who's the guy that you would cater to more or who are you relying on more going forward, to me, it's a no-brainer that it's J.P. France. Well, the way that, I mean, the form, yeah. I mean, the form of J.P. France, and then Arcady's been hurt for three months. So, yeah, I mean, that, it's, it's, it's an obvious answer. You should be catering three months. to Jonathan Patrick. A year ago, we went through this with Arcady. You know, we've been through injuries with Arcady. But, but yeah. he, pitched, he pitched well after that injury last year. Now, he didn't pitch well at the start of this season. So, right. like, it, that kind of helps your side of the argument, too. Like, okay, if Arcady had a, a 325 ERA before the injury, then it makes a little bit more sense. Jose Arcady had an injury north, of, or an ERA north the five, and then you're kind of you know catering to Jose Arquiti. That said, I do think you came out of it okay. I think that you know I think JP France handled it well. Let's see if he can continue positive momentum in his next start. If he if he pitches well in his next start, this is uh, 
This is a thing of the past. I, I won't worry about it. I won't bring it up again. Uh, Jose Arquiti, while his numbers weren't great, I thought Jose Arquiti's start was encouraging, to be completely honest. Like, he lost command of the zone a little bit, an Angel Hernandez zone a little bit there in that fourth inning. But the velo was good. I, I thought he pitched effectively. I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on Jose Arquiti the rest of the year. I, it was a positive start for Arquiti, even though the line score for Arquiti didn't look great. Yeah, the fourth inning wasn't great. I thought he was really in command in the first inning, and then he just he kind of lost focus for one hitter, and it cost him. But overall, you saw signs of a guy that you realize is the reasons why they believe in him and they like him and they want him back and they want him to be a part of this. And then to me, if you are looking for a positive of all they did with J.P. France, the one thing was he did throw enough pitches that he did get work in, that he should be fine and still stretched out, and it's only one turn through, as you mentioned, so that if he gets an, an, a start right away, the next time he you know he's called or his turn comes up, then it's going to be okay. He's going to stay stretched out. Hopefully, he's still the same effective pitcher he's been. I just felt like overall, he didn't deserve this, and Urquidy could have been a long relief guy and been your Seth Martinez-type guy as you worked him back if you were hell-bent on him being on the on the team right away. Mm-hmm. And if not, like you said, give him another start in the minors. Uh, the death lineup on Friday was awesome, seeing Yiner uh, in that death lineup, batting in front of a Abreu, and then you had him catching, so you are able to DH like a real hitter. Uh, that was nice to see, and then you, you didn't see it again. Uh, I'm, I'm actually okay with Yiner not starting against left-handed pitching. I, I Quite honestly, that I, I am. Now, the problem becomes like, okay, well, then one is Yiner going to play, which we'll get into that later. But I love that death lineup on Friday. Uh, Jake Myers was fantastic, really, the entire series. He had the double dong on Sunday, which, oh, Jake Myers can hit. In fact, Jake Myers, I think, having a good weekend, played a small part in the demotion of Corey Jolks because I think it made the decision easy. Oh, Jake Myers is hitting pretty good since the All-Star break. Oh, Jake Myers is playing really Really good defense. Oh, we should have Jake Myers in the lineup instead of Corey Jolks. Go Cougs. Love Corey Jolks. He's been reeling right now and needs to get that confidence back up in Sugarland. I think that seeing that weekend from, from Jake Myers made it easier to send down Corey Jolks and call up John Singleton. We'll talk about the how you deploy John Singleton in about five minutes, but Jake Myers had one of his best series in a while. The catch on Friday to save a big inning in the first, going back to the track, and then he hit two home runs in a game and you double dong. Of course, uh, you deserve some credit there. Uh, did you watch the Apple TV game? I did not. <laughs> I didn't think you would. Um, I, I, the production on Apple TV is fine. The commentary is kind of odd. Uh, they said after the Astros won on the Apple TV game, the one that Aaron Judge did not play, he said the Astros took advantage of Aaron Judge not being in the lineup. The Astros scored seven runs in that game. Like, was Aaron Judge going to pitch? Was Aaron Judge going to put up some goose eggs and some shutout innings in relief? They took advantage of Aaron Judge in a game which they scored seven runs? Give me a break. Give me a break with that. Here's what really bothered me, Jeremy, just doubling back a little bit to what you said previous to that. I was all for it like you were, like Joe was, about the death lineup. We wanted to see it. We wanted to see more of it. We loved it. The fact that we saw it for one night, we saw it be productive, we saw a lot of good things come out of it, and then we didn't see it again, drove me freaking nuts. I, I, I get mad when Dusty decides to tinker for the sake of tinkering and screws around and does whatever Pawpaw's belly says he's going to do. And it bothers me because you have a chance. This isn't the start of the season, and this isn't a point in the year where you're 10 games up. This is a chance where you can really get healthy and you can really start establishing yourself. And I thought that lineup was a sign of things to come that you could establish this team as a – and we talked about it. If this is the kind of lineup he's going to put out there – between now and the end of the year, you could show as this lineup being one of the top five lineups in offensively in baseball, getting ready for the playoffs. Instead, we didn't see it again. And you got ass clowns on text message and three, four, six area codes that are telling me that I, I didn't, you know, I didn't see enough out of the death lineup and there wasn't enough production. 
There wasn't more than enough. There was more than enough for me in positive signs there to say I saw everything I needed to see to want to see it again. Then we didn't see it. Um, what what would you have liked him to do Saturday Sunday though? Because I I agree with you, but I want to know specifically like what you didn't like about not seeing it the rest of the way. Because Yiner versus righties is different than Yiner versus lefties. He's been atrocious this year against lefties, and it does date back to the minors. His numbers against righties and the minors are much better than his numbers against lefties and the minors. But I just think the way he's been hitting and as hot as he's been, this is kind of like the Chaz discussion when we said Chaz can only you know play in, in platoon because of certain things and you know his success against lefties versus you know his overall ability to hit the baseball and then we found out he could hit the baseball at a certain point I want I want to see him if Yiner's hot I want to see him in the lineup and yeah I get I get the the matchups thing but I want to see if that's going to consistently be a thing and maybe it continues to be true but I'd still like to see him in the lineup and give him because I think he gives you the best shot I think for, based on between him and, and a Kessinger playing first base I, I, I'll take ridiculous. him. I mean, those are the kind of things where I get it. You got Verlander on the mound, but that doesn't mean that you got to get like because you, it's like a, a Vegas odds. Well, because you have Verlander on the mound, we're going to make you start Kessinger at first base, get your personal center fielder back, and do some other things to tinker around because we want to even the playing field. No, take advantage of it, but still give him the best offensive lineup and a, and a lineup good enough to win. I don't think he did that. Let's hit a little bit on the other side. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. Because look, John Singleton's going to be called up today. Uh, how you deploy John Singleton, Yiner Diaz can't be the person who takes the brunt of John Singleton at bats, though. So, like, I'm excited about John Singleton coming up and seeing him at the big league level. He cannot be getting at bats over Yiner Diaz. And also, to the Yiner point that you bring up, in my opinion, he needs to play every game, no matter what, against righties. He needs to play every single game, no matter what, against righties. I'm okay with some of the stuff, like sitting him with lefties, uh, not catching him with some of the top three starters, but you have to find a way to get Yiner in the lineup, no matter what, against right-handed pitching in some form or fashion. We'll dive into all of that. 713-780-ESPN, the HRMP listener line. 713-780-3776. We're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. He's at Pac-Man Joel on Twitter. I'm at Jeremy Branham. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN. ESPN 92.5. Football season is right around the corner. In fact, the local team plays on Thursday. The Circa Million and the Circa Survivor are back. $14 million in guaranteed prizes. You heard me right. $14 million in guaranteed prizes. And the best thing, Circa's not taking a rake. The biggest football contest in Vegas back for their fifth year. Head to Circa, enter in Vegas. Beauty of it, you can play from anywhere. You don't have to be in Vegas. You can play from anywhere. Your couch, work, your car, wherever because you can play anywhere once you enter the contest. There's two contests. First one, the Circa Million Football Contest $6 million in total prizes. Quarterly payouts and 100% payback which means no rake. Where else can you get that? And the top prize is $1 million guaranteed. You'll pick five teams against the spread weekly in the winner takes home $1 million. The Circus Survivor with their biggest prize yet, $8 million. It's simple. Pick a winner straight up, no spread. Win big. Be the lone survivor, and a guaranteed $8 million is yours. Bigger money than ever before. Play today for your share of $14 million in guaranteed prizes. Contests are open now. You don't want to miss out. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Head to CircusSports.com for details. teams covered no stalking points necessary you're back with the killer bees on 97.5 and 92.5 live from the veritex community bank studios 
Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN at 92.5. Uh, death lineup Friday was cool. Didn't see Yiner against the lefty. Saw Greg Kessinger at first. That was weird. Uh, so people want to get in on this. 713-780-3776. Expecting to see the return of John Singleton today. We'll get to how you deploy John Singleton uh, in a bit. 713-780-3776. Let's go out to the HRP listener line for Dre. Dre, you're in the hive with the Killer Bees. What's going on, Dre? Hey, what's up, fellas? Uh... Hopefully I don't get circumcised on there today. Uh, I need a little time, man. Uh, okay, so you want to talk about why wouldn't Maldonado start versus lefties also versus Diaz? Mm-hmm. Look, Maldon- Maldonado's had his shot. He's been playing, what, three quarters of the games now? He's batting 167, 170 range versus righties and lefties. Yeah, Diaz is batting 170 against lefties. Why not give Diaz a chance and let him let him heat up a little bit and maybe get some more experience versus lefties? Maldonado's had his shot, and not only that, who who allowed 12 walks? Who was behind the plate uh, Sunday and allowed 12 walks? And uh, I'll, I'll listen to you. No, no, no! Don't right hang here. up! Don't Please? hang up, Dre. Dre, don't hang okay. up. We give right. you, we give Come you on. a little bit of rope there. Don't don't hang up whenever you get a little counterpoint at you. Um, you, you left out one very specific number, though. Like, we're talking about guys hitting left-handed pitching, and you left out Martin Maldonado's numbers hitting left-handed pitching. You combined both of them. You brought up Yiner's left-handed you know, numbers against lefties, but you didn't bring up Maldi's. Like, you're, you're a student of the game. You watch a lot of baseball. Who's going to give you better offensive production? A guy that has a 786 OPS or a guy that has a, let's see, 476 OPS? Which of those two are you going to take in the lineup? Do you trust a 786 OPS more, or do you trust a 476 OPS more? Uh, well, 786 sounds great, you know. Martin but, Maldonado's uh, OPS against left-handed pitching is 786. Like, why would Maldonado? Why would Maldonado sit behind Diaz catching whenever he has 300 point better OPS? And like, I'm not trying to defend Maldi versus Yiner because I love Yiner too. But let's not ignore that Martin Maldonado is kind of low key good against lefties. Okay, yes, but like I said before, Maldonado's had his chances, and yet he's still batting 170 range. But you're, you're talking about his total range. numbers whenever you called and said against left-handed pitching. Like, you can't look at total numbers when you're talking specifically about his numbers against lefties. You're data dredging, Dre. <laughs> well, hey, I'm, I'm trying to get Diaz some more at bat, man. And I'm with he, you. He I'm needs to you. start against lefties, you know? Let, let's, let's let him go out there and get that experience because – we might need that experience in the playoffs, and man, if you face a tough lefty in the playoffs, you're gonna be you're gonna have Maldonado out there, and what's he gonna do, man? He's gonna strike out, or he's gonna ground into a double play. Come on, let's be realistic in the playoffs. Appreciate the you call, know, Thanks, but, Dre. Uh, you got you got. I don't want you. I don't want to hang up on you. You good? You good, Dre? Yeah, we're good. I appreciate All right. the time. Thank you. What you got on that, Blinkers? See, you, buddy. No, I mean that, the only point I was trying to make it, because it, you know. Everybody's obviously you, you have your stands for for Maldi no matter what and no matter what he does or doesn't do they're just waiting and then when he has a breakout game like this weekend then suddenly that's justification for Maldi all I want is more bat- at bats for Yiner mm-hmm. I don't really care where they come from and I'm to the point now where because of your other options I would rather I would rather see if he can work his way out of being a more consistent hitter against both lefties and righties than I am seeing the Gray Kessingers and the Bly Madrises of the world and all the other guys that we've swung through the the lineup to give a shot to that have failed miserably. Yeah, I think we're like really on the same page. Yeah. C- c- most like to be mostly 
like obvious, like like in, in tr- like transparent. I think we're mostly on the same page. I want Yonder Diaz also to get more at bats. Like if I if, if he's if he's in the lineup against a lefty, I'm not going to be upset. But I think whenever you have a lefty on the mound and Martin Maldonado's catching, I think it's fair to be okay about it. Now, if Greg Kessinger's playing at first base and Yonder Diaz is on the bench, what are you doing? Like I agree with that. Totally agree with that. Even when like Corey Jolks was still with the big club and he was DHing when Yonder Diaz was on the bench, even against lefties, like that's the spot where you get. Yiner in. So, like, I'm fine. Like, whenever we talk about the Yiner Maldi ratio, things like that, like, I've already conceded the fact that Maldonado's going to be your catcher when Fromber's on the mound. Maldonado's going to be your catcher when Javier's on the mound. Maldonado's going to be your catcher when Justin Verlander's on the mound. I've conceded that. that that's just, just how it's going to be. Is that the right thing to do? You know, probably not. Like, Yiner could catch Javier. Javier's a two-pitch guy. Justin Verlander shakes off Maldonado more than any other pitcher on the staff. He can call his own game. Uh, whereas, Malti, whereas, like, Fromber needs Martin Maldonado. So you can, like, nitpick the those things. I've conceded that. Now, against right-handed pitching, and look, first off, against lefties. Like, if Maldi's your catcher against a left-handed pitcher, whenever Jose Arquiti's on the mound, whatever. Martin Maldonado's got better numbers against lefties than Yanner Diaz does. Maldi's low-key good against left-handed pitching, uh, at least with power numbers. But Yiner Diaz needs to be in the lineup every single game that there is a right-handed pitcher on the mound. Yiner's one of your top four hitters against right-handed pitching. Period. End of story. story. Fact. Yep, yep. So, if... if if uh, Fromber Valdez is pitching a game, that means Martin Maldonado is your catcher. But you have to figure out a way for Yiner Diaz to either be your DH or he needs to play over Jose Abreu. So, like, this is one of those things where, like, I was defending Maldi over Yiner against left-handed pitching. But Yiner needs to play first base whenever Maldonado is forced to catch. He needs to be your designated hitter when Maldonado is forced to catch. Like, Jose Abreu shouldn't be innocent in all of this. Like, we're, we're having the oh, Yiner-Maldonado conversation. If Maldonado catching is fixed, if that's something that's concrete when Fromber's pitching, when Verlander's pitching, when Javier's pitching, then he needs to be playing first base instead of Jose Abreu. Abreu's like two for his last 26. He has 11 strikeouts. He's been absolutely awful as much as he was finding it in June and July. We saw all the AT&T graphics that started to say wait till you get to august this guy every year of his career he busts out in august well he's busting something and he barely can bust a plane a pane of glass with a swing because rodon absolutely owned him the first at bat with just fat gas right down the middle of the plate that he couldn't even touch and he looks terrible the thing to me that really also should be brought into this conversation to some degree is as much as we've been able to brag on and have an argument for Maldi because of his defense and all the things he brings behind the plate with the mask on and the glove in hand. Those have fallen way off. The fact that I'm not going to be like Dre. I, you know what? You can put walk, try and put walks on a catcher, but the pitcher still has to throw the baseball. And if the pitcher can throw it where it's supposed to be thrown, then the walks are on the pitcher way more than it is on the catcher. But in terms of the defensive effort, in terms of throwing guys out on, uh, on base runners, all the different things that are intangibles with catching. The one thing with mound visits, you might still get advantage Maldi, but everywhere else across the board almost, it doesn't sit well to say that Maldi should be because he's a better defensive catcher because it's starting to show more and more that he's actually not even close to as good a catcher. It's the hidden intangibles of what Dusty would say because mm-hmm. you're, you're right. Uh, Yiner Diaz has better pop time. Their framing both stinks. Like I think you could nitpick that Maldi's framing is slightly better than Yiner Diaz's framing, but they're both like in the bottom 10%. Like They're both really bad at framing. The Astros, Jim Crane needs to get on the phone with Major League Baseball and try to get the robo-zone as quickly as possible because Yiner Diaz isn't a good framer. Martin Maldonado is no longer uh, a good framer. All I'm saying is that Yiner does not need to be in the lineup against lefties, especially with Martin Maldonado hitting lefties well. 
We know that Martin Maldonado is going to catch at least Framber, Javier, and Verlander, which, okay, like that's how Dusty's going to do it. But against right-handed pitching, you have to get Yiner Diaz in the lineup no matter what. If Maldi's catching that day, well, then Maldi's your DH. Well, if Maldi's catching that day and Jordan has to DH that day, well, then Yiner Diaz needs to play first base. Those are the three options. Yiner's either your catcher. If you have the trump card where Framber, Verlander, Javier are pitching that day and Maldonado needs to, okay, well, Yiner plays left field or uh, DH. Well, we need Jordan to DH that day. Okay, well, then Yiner plays first base. Yiner Diaz needs to be a permanent fixture in the lineup against right-handed pitching. If he's not in the lineup against lefties, I can live with that. But against righties, he needs to be catching, he needs to be DHing, or he needs to play first base in that order. Yeah, I'm just to the point where I'm even I'm taking it to that next level, and I'm saying, based on everybody else, you have his options, and now maybe you have a different option that you might want to see a little bit more of or see some of, too, with Singleton coming up. But to me... Yiner's done enough and earned enough of his stripes to be able to be in the lineup every day and, and just see if he, can, you know, if he can fight his way through it, if he's better than what he was in the past, if, if this is all kind of an epiphany season for him as he gets to the next level. Whatever the case may be, I want to see more of Yiner, and I don't want to shortchange him by keeping him out of the lineup because the other options instead of him aren't real good. So for the betterment of this team, if we are going to have a death lineup or have the best chance to succeed across the board offensively, I believe he's got to be in the lineup no matter where he's playing defensively. The the second part of this is the John Singleton thing. Like, John Singleton cannot cut into the at-bats if Yiner Diaz. It's a great story. I'm excited to see what John Singleton can do. Cannot cut into the at-bats if Yiner Diaz. How do you want to see Singleton deployed for for the Astros? Well, it's going to be interesting because I think right now I started at first base because, you know what, whether Abreu needs some time off again or he needs to rest a little bit, but I, I want to see him play some first base. I've seen him play first base. I know he's capable of playing first base. He can't do any worse defensively than Abreu at first base. But I know offensively, if a guy stru- has 11 strikeouts in his last 26 at-bats and only has two hits, well, I'd like to see that the Astros have a better chance to succeed offensively by putting a guy out there that might be able to do better than that. And so I'd like to see him start there. And then you're you're going to have to see a deployment where he cannot do anything to take away anything from Yiner. I totally agree with that. But now, whether it's going to be pinch hitter role, and you're going to use him in pinch hitting spots early on because of the fact that he's still a better bat than those other guys that I'm naming as guys I never want to see getting consistent at bats and playing time for the rest of the season unless there's an injury, I want to see him get some pinch hit at bats. I want to see him get a couple of starts at first base. I want to see him possibly, depending on the lineup, when Yiner's catching and Jordan's in left field, then he can get some DH at bats too. He doesn't have to get a ton of it because he hasn't done enough to be able to convince you, me, Dusty, or anybody else that he deserves it. Mm-hmm. But because of his resume coming in and what he's done in Sugarland, he deserves to get some at-bats and some starts and see what he can do. That's where I'm at with him, too. Late-game pinch-hit spots against righties. I don't want to see him against right. lefties. Uh, but you, Martin Maldonado's coming up. Yiner Diaz is DHing that day, so you've already used him. Well, Singleton's, your, Singleton's that blind address. Um, every now and then at first base, but he's not taking over a Abreu's job. But every now and then at first base, and then uh, that's the... The one lineup scenario that you use where I want to see him the most is if Jordan's playing left that day, if Yiner's catching that day, give me a singleton spot, a start at the DH or, or first base in DH Abreu. I think that's how you deploy singleton, but he's not going to start two to three games a week. He's going to be a you know bat that you use every now and then, which should be fun. And he kind of does. He kind of owes it to the Astros to be good too. By the way, Astros gave him ten million dollars to smoke a lot of weed. He owes it to the Astros. 
to be good. 713-780-ESPN. HRMP listener line. 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Some people weighing in on this. Also, we'll, we'll, we'll get to some Texans here as well uh, when this conversation exhausts itself. Can the Texans be a top 10 defense in the NFL? One prominent NFL talking head thinks it's likely. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. One other thing that's likely is the greatness that is HRP. They take care of everything that they do, and that, that way they can make your life easier as a business owner. Human Resources and Payroll, HRP. It's Cougar owned by Mike Colley, Chris Fisher over there as well. Great people. Uh, Mike Colley used to protect a Heisman Trophy winner. Now he wants to protect you. Uh, HRP, members of the Cougar 100 for the eighth year in a row. Business owners, let HRP help you in a variety of different areas HR compliance, benefits administration, payroll onboarding. HRP can help in any or all of those facets. There's no boxes with HRP. Doesn't matter how small the job, it does not matter how big the job. HRP completely customizes a plan for what you and your business needs. You have a problem, you have an issue, a small one, a big one. You just want to take a little bit off your plate. HRP will find a way to help. Nothing cookie cutter, nothing off the menu. HRP will work with you to be creative and figure out what you need. They do it in a way that's unique too. Technology meets service. They have the best technology. You'll be able to trust that. You'll love that. You'll love that, but you'll fall in love with their service. Guaranteed fulfillment. You'll be talking to someone that knows you, not a stranger on a call board, someone that knows you. They know your business needs. Give them a call right now, 281-880-6525, and let HRP customize a plan for you, 281-880-6525, or check them out at hrp.net. That's hrp.net. Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. 9920 Caleb says, okay, Killer Bees, you're my favorite host on ESPN. That's weird because there's two of us and you said one. He said Fred and AJ left. Now, Brad Kellner, don't let me down, guys. Happy to share a podium with Beaky. Uh, yeah, congratulations to Beaky on his next move. Wish him well. Hate to see him go. And uh, we'll try our best not to let you down, Caleb. We'll, we'll try our very, very best. 1106, uh, Jolks greater than Kessinger and it ain't even close. It's hard to know because we haven't seen much of Kessinger. Jolks start of the year, really good. Jolks last part of the year, not good at all. What Kessinger gives you, though, that Jolks can't is position flexibility. And if you're going to use Dubon in center field to be Verlander's personal center fielder, and Dubon gives you some outfield options in case if there's injuries, things like that, you have to have another infielder on the roster. So Jolks is a position crunch. Kessinger plays more positions. He can play the infield, and that's why they keep him over, over Jolks. And I, I, I agree, actually. Like, you have to keep Kessinger over Jolks. Yeah, no, I, I think right now you do because your outfield is starting to look better, right, because of the emergence of Jake offensively. And it looks like he's a real player again. With Chaz, with Jordan out there, with Tuck, you don't have as big of a pressing need as you do in terms of you know versatility with other positions, especially if Yiner's, you know, when he's not behind the plate, he's moving around. If you move him to first base, that's one thing. But if you look at Dubon being the personal center fielder now, and we joked about it, but now it's true with Justin Verlander, um, you look for guys that can give you multiple positions that they can play. We know that Dubon can play infield and outfield, but Kessinger can play first base if he has to, as well as the infield, and that gives Dusty a lot of different flex- flexible options, especially defensively and otherwise, if injuries pop up mid-game or if he's going to give guys time off. 
Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that's the spot that you're in when it comes to that. Uh, someone else, 6383, John Singleton coming up to the big leagues. Do you think he'll be playing DH or first base? I think you'll see a combination of the two. I don't think he's going to start many games, quite frankly. I don't either. I don't, I don't think, think he's going to he start right now. I, he shouldn't. Like, if, if he's somebody asked us, who do you think is going to DH today? Uh, Fromber Valdez is on the mound, which means you could play Jordan in left field. Sometimes Dusty likes to do that because Fromber's a ground ball pitcher. Now, the problem in left field at Camden is that it's massive. Yep. So, I don't know if Dusty's going to play Jordan in left because Fromber's on the mound, because there's a big outfield, I would bet that Jordan DHs would be my guess. And if Jordan DHs, that means that... That means Yiner's out. That means Chaz is playing left. That means Jake's playing center. And in that spot, I want Yiner to play first base. Like yeah. if, if that's the he situation should. you're in, Yiner should be your first base. But you know, Dust, Pawpaw's not going to do that. Probably not. Just loyalty <laughs> alone with Abreu, he won't do that. And you're right. The best overall lineup you could put out there right now would be Yiner at first base, but Dusty will not do that. I, I don't even, I'm not even guessing at this point. I'm telling you flat out, I don't think, and I will be shocked if Dusty would consider starting Yiner at first base and sitting down to Brady. Yeah, I wish he would. Like If he's trying to win games, I think it's it's the right call. Uh, King of Twitch says, don't forget Kessinger's the emergency catcher. It's a, it's a great point, King of Twitch. He is the emergency catcher. Now, Jordan will play left field at times when Fromber's pitching. Most of the time, Fromber's pitching, Jordan plays left. Mm-hmm. And if that is the case, now you're looking, well, who's your DH? Is it Yiner or is it Singleton? Personally, for me, and I think I know your answer, it's Yiner. Like, Yiner should be yep. getting starts, not John Singleton. That's right. Just because Singleton's new. Uh, so 7137 kind of kind of new 7137803776 back to the HRP listener line Willie you're in the hive with the killer bees it's on your mind Willie Oh yeah I'm calling about this catcher ERA I I never uh, uh in my coaching career had a catcher go out there and tell a pitcher to throw the ball you know 2 or 3 inches outside because he want to walk the guy it's no such thing. It's too many variables that's, you know, uh, uh, dead arm. You know, a catcher got a, I mean, the pitcher got a dead arm, so that's going to go, and he give up a bunch of runs, that's going to go on the catcher's ERA. It's just stupid. I, I, I just hate to hear that. Appreciate, Thank you. Appreciate it, Willie. Uh, you got a rebuttal to that? That's what I said. Uh, you know, Dre's point, 12 walks on Maldi. No, 12 walks, walks aren't on Maldi. I mean, 12 walks or 12 walks, and it starts and ends with the fact that the pitcher ha- he agrees to, th- to the pitch, and then he throws the pitch where it's supposed to be thrown. And if he doesn't throw strikes, that's on the pitcher. The catcher's not throwing the ball. Yeah, framing can be something where, you know, on borderline pitches, he might be able to get you one or two. But I'm not putting walks on the catcher. No, and Fromber, I mean, I'm Fromber. Maldi's actually a slightly better framer than Yiner is, too. Yiner's one of the worst in the league. Well, Dusty was Maldi's one of the, one of the worst that in the league. He's got to work on. Well, Maldi does, too. Maldi's also one of the worst in the league. They measure this. Baseball Savant measures this, and both of them are in the bottom 10%. Um, I, I agree with Willie. I, I think catcher's ERA is really, really stupid. Like, you could, first off, like, Fromber doesn't pitch to Yiner, period. So you can't get any sort of, like, who is better. Catching Fromber, Maldi or Yiner? Well, you don't know because Yiner doesn't catch uh, Fromber. Same thing with uh, Christian Javier. Yiner's made one start. Like other guys like France, it's very, very similar. Some guys in the bullpen favor Yiner, favor Maldi. But every single situation is different. Like what if you catch a pitcher on a really bad start? Well, now your catcher area looks terrible when it had nothing to do with you. I do believe that pitchers prefer throwing to different catchers. I do believe in the hidden intangibles. I do believe in calling a good game, things like that. I don't believe catcher's ERA defines that at all, actually. I'm with you. I think of all the stats and the next level and layer after layer of stats that we get, I don't put as much stock in a catcher's ERA and and, and trying to tag catchers with walks. 
to me, and maybe that's being a pitcher my whole life, my, my big thing is is that it's my job to throw the baseball, and the catcher can only tell me and be on the same page with me as to what pitch he thinks we should throw, and, and I have to agree to it. Once I agree to that pitch, it's my job to throw the ball where it's supposed to be thrown. In the strike zone, waste pitches, the, the ability to get strikeouts by getting pitches that look hittable strikes, and then they, they fall off. But if I don't do my job, then the walk is on me. That's why you see that stat so prevalent over the years with pitchers. I'm not putting it on a catcher. One five zero nine one to ten. What level of excitement if Dusty uses his death lineup tonight? Again, one to ten. What is the level of excitement if Dusty? Oh, well, the level uses of excitement for me every time I see the death lineup is going to be a nine or a ten. Eight I, to 10. I just, I just think that's the lineup that. I'm fired up to see because I believe it has the, the the most potency to do whatever you need to do on a nightly basis. It's not coming with Fromber on the mound, though. Nope. So, not coming with Fromber on the mound. It would be a 10 for me, too, but it's not coming with Fromber on the mound. Is the death lineup uh, Jordan in left, Chaz in center, Yanier at catcher? we got to get you to say Yiner. Yiner. Yiner's name, right? Yiner. It's been whoa, bothering whoa, whoa. me. Well, I'm then, sorry. Well, then Yiner. once we get Joe to do that, can we just go over a whole bunch of names with Pauly? What did he? What did he? On but, the show, I so butcher okay. a lot of names, but I, I try not to butcher the ones Yiner. that live in Houston. Yiner, you call you're like adding a syllable. I in know there. I am. Yiner, I, I don't mean to. Remember whenever we were putting a J in his name at first? Jiner. Yeah, well, at first that's what we were told was I think he what pronounces he preferred. it that way. Yeah. I think he pronounces it that way, but I think once it translates to English, okay, English, it's Yiner. <laughs> English, 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 Yiner Diaz. English is my catcher. second language. I, I get that from Lisa a lot, though. Yeah. She she'll question when I say the Astros said it's supposed to be pronounced like this. She goes, "Well, they're wrong." Yeah, because you know in Mexico or you know where he's from, it's actually pronounced this. Okay, but there, I'm just telling is. you how we're told to, to say his name. There is there is a Spanish and an English pronunciation. Yep. There, that's yep. definitely true. And so is it? It depends Diaz? on who's on the mound, though. Like if it's, it's a righty, if, if it's, it's a righty, because if it's a righty, Jake Myers is not in my death lineup. If it's a lefty, he is. So Same thing it, with Maldi. Like I don't mind Maldi catching against left-handed pitching. So if it's a righty, it's Diaz a catcher, Chaz in center, Jordan in left, and then Singleton's your DH. Is that part of your death lineup now? I don't know. I don't know if I give Singleton the edge over Jake. See, it depends on the ballpark too. Like I want Jake in the big outfield. Jake, the Camden Yards is massive now. I want Jake Myers playing center field in a big ballpark, and then even left. with a ground ball pitcher. I do. So, like, there's so many variables. But, but in terms of you just go pure 100% offense, Yiner is definitely catching. Jordan's definitely in left field. Now, who's your DH? It probably is Singleton. Like, I think so. Singleton over Jake? Like, that's what it comes down yeah. to. Singleton or Jake? But Jake's, he's right. He's Jake from Rake Farm right now. He hits lefties really well. Righties? Eh. Yeah. Jake should yeah. be there against lefties. Probably Sosha Maldi being there against lefties. Yeah. Yiner shouldn't play against lefties. Well, I, I do kind of agree yeah. with, with Dre a little bit that Diaz, you got to give him some more at-bats to see if he can figure it out. Okay. Just, especially, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't come at the expense of Jake Myers, though. Shouldn't, no, Maybe not at, even Maldonado. I, I just think Yiner, Probably. like I said, though, I, I want to see Yiner as much as possible. I, I just think that his, his bat speed and his power, that he could just catch one, almost has a better chance of succeeding than some of the other options you have. I, I've, I'm to the point now where I want to see Yiner as much as possible. Maldi's got a 491 slugging against lefties. Like, that's really good. It is really good. That's really good. I, you know what I also I think gets people to kind of lose their focus is that Yiner gives up. I mean, um, Maldi gives up a ton of at-bats just by bunting or, you know, just kind of basically kind of half-assing it, and, and, and people get frustrated. Maldi. And they don't see they don't see those numbers. I mean, Maldi. I understand when Maldi's trying to move a runner over in scoring position in a tight game. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he just does it, and it seems like he's doing it. Or with two outs, it just feels like he's throwing away in at bat, and people get frustrated. Maldi's slugging is better than Yiner's OPS against lefties. 
Just well, saying. Say, don't just that, saying. That, that says something. 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line. 713-780-3776. All right, let's get to this conversation. Robert May says the Texans can be a top 10 defense. He has them in their top 10. Is he, is he right? Or is he on drugs? Also, Jalen Petrie's getting a lot of hype this offseason for the Texans. Is he the right guy to get that hype? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Kane is in the building. <laughs> Most bees make honey. These killer bees make great sports insights, but they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. Can the Houston Texans have a top 10 defense in 2023? Uh, Robert Mays, big football brain behind the big football network known as ESP. Actually, the Athletic. Almost at ESPN, he's the Athletic. Robert May says the Houston Texans have the 10th best defense going into the 2023 season. Can the Houston Texans play to that? Can the Houston Texans play to a top 10 defense in 2023? Can they? Sure, anything's possible. But the fact that if you start the season by telling me that you think that they have the 10th best defense in the NFL, I'm I'm just going to call BS. I'm just going to say that I don't see it. I have to see it. I have to see a lot of consistency with it. And you're expecting and really counting on a lot from a lot of young players. I know that Jalen Petrie's getting his flowers right now from a lot of different directions. I know that there's a lot of expectations for Anderson and then, you know, a good mix with some of the veterans with what they got out of Stevie Nelson with the fact that, you know, they added some interior defensive line help. I just know there's a lot of good defenses in the NFL. I'm not ready to call them a top 10 defense. And I think it would be one hell of a story if they finished in the top 10 in defense this year. I think it's in play more than you think it's in play. Um, Now, a lot of things do have to go right. Because if I were were just to pencil down the top 10 defense in the NFL right now, Texans wouldn't make that list. But I, I probably would have them in the top half of the league. That's so fair. top 16, which is much different than top 10. Now, where things can go, right? One, we talk about this all the time. Whatever the Texans do this season, I don't think is a great measurement of how they stand relative to the entire NFL. A top 10 defense with their schedule versus a top 10 defense, sure. let's say with last year's schedule, are two totally different stories. So the schedule being favorable is one reason that the Texans could potentially have a top 10 defense. Uh, but some some other stars have to align. Look, D'Amico Ryans was the play caller for the number one defense in the NFL last year. I think D'Amico Ryans is a good play caller. Sure. Is this team as talented as the 49ers defense? Absolutely yeah, he had not. He some weapons the Texans don't currently have and may not have. Look, Jimmy Ward's going to be your starting safety on this team. Jimmy Ward had a tough time getting on the football field last year for the San Francisco 49ers. You throw in a Bosa. I mean, we can go around that yep. entire defense, and they're Red stud Warner. after stud after stud. The Texans don't have a stud yet. Right. Now, here's the other star that needs to align for the Texans to be top 10. Good schedule, favorable schedule. D'Amico Ryan's number one play caller defensively last year. He's calling your plays this year. All of these young players have to hit. Like Jalen Petrie, you you mentioned getting a lot of flowers. He has to take another step up. Christian Harris showed flashes his rookie year. Has to take a step up. Derek Stingley has to stay on the football field. You don't have a whole lot of depth, so you have to stay really healthy, quite frankly, uh, which is already being tested on the offensive line, but different story. Will Anderson has to be good as a rookie. John Grenard probably needs to stay on the field and flirt with double digit sacks. Now I kind of like the middle. Like I'm, I'm a, I'm like to be honest with you, Blankers, I'm, I'm bullish on the interior defensive too, line with Rankins and Malik Collins. See, I think Rankins is the key to all of this. I think that if Rankins can, as you said with with Stingley, but more so, if Rankins can stay on the field and be disruptive, 
He gives you one weapon that this team sorely missed and needed all last season, and that is just a big physical presence in that in that front seven that can be disruptive, that can stop the run, that can do so many different things so that your other guys can get free and, and, and get on the quarterback and do the things they need to do. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does. And because it's almost, again, another situation where he's playing for another contract, I expect big things from him. Uh, he needs to. Like, yeah. for the, again, to be a top 10 defense, all those stars have to fall in line. And that's very difficult to do because, quite frankly, all those guys staying healthy is probably a long shot in the NFL. I'm not calling anybody injury prone, Derek Stingley. It's just it's hard to go through a 17-game schedule and finish healthy. Attrition comes into play in the NFL. And I think that's the Texans' biggest problem, quite frankly, talking about this, is, well, one, youth. And then secondly, I- I'm worried about the depth. Yeah, because if Kirksey's going to be a guy, whether he starts or he backs up, he's a guy that I just I don't put a lot of stock in anymore. I haven't seen as much as you know James Palmer and other people have when they thought that he was anything from a star to a starter to a really impactful player on this team. I think that you you, you came a long way in terms of building up your roster so that at least you could have a credible starting lineup. But in terms of having that two two deep depth chart of having guys capable of stepping in when there's an injury and really not missing a beat. They're not there yet. I mean, they're starting to add more veterans. They're starting to add some guys that still have some stuff left in the tank so that they can give you adequate depth, but not at every position. I, I think that they're still lacking in a lot of positions in terms of being able to even go too deep. It's it's better, but it's not there yet. Right. Like who is who, Name me the Texans' number three starter right now, or the number three safety right now. Good luck. Yep. Jonathan Biles is gone. He's, He's no Green longer Bay. on this team. Is he Dino, Dino yeah. Green Bay? Yeah. That stinks for Simone. Well, well, but she's going to be doing her gymnastics thing. She probably won't even see Lambo until after. Uh, hopefully, after. she never goes to that armpit of America. Hmm. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Um, I, I think this is what Robert Mays is kind of showing you through his top ten. Though, is he has a huge football crush on D'Amico Ryan's. He has a good call. He has the 49ers fourth, and what did they lose really besides Jimmy Ward and D'Amico? D'Amico, like. You know, so I think it's part of it is that is just how much he has them the Niners but, falling back and then the Texans coming up. But a lot of this has to be a belief in Stingley too that like Stingley's going to turn it around. He can't just stay on the field. He has to be. He has to show. Dare I say dominance? He has to be a shutdown corner and show you that he doesn't have to be Sauce Gardner, but he has to show you that he can be an upper level corner in this league. Because last year he didn't show anything for anybody to get a read on him. And yeah, you obviously a lot can be said about the fact they didn't play man and they didn't give him the right system to succeed in. But now it's health and then it's ability with health to be able to show you belong and that they made the right pick. I think a lot of it too is the schedule. Like you look at the schedule and who they're going to play this year, it's very likely they play, you know, six rookie quarterbacks this year. I mean, if Tennessee falls apart, you're catching Will Levis week 15. Well, Will Levis is number three on that depth chart, Joe George. That's not going to – fine. Then they'll get Malik Willis, and it'll be even easier. Uh, (laughs) Malik Willis is not good. That's having a good camp. It's stunning he's number two. Like, if if they catch those guys in the back half, you know, you're playing Tampa Bay, you're playing Carolina, you're playing Atlanta, Indianapolis twice, you're playing Kenny Pickett. Like, you're not playing this murderer row of quarterbacks. you might not even catch Kyler Murray this year in week 11. You might be playing Clayton Toon. No go, offense. Go Kooks. But if you're playing all those bad quarterbacks and you have the schematics of D'Amico Ryan's defense, you've got a chance to be pretty solid. That's probably why he is Miami in his top 10. Because Miami, 
they don't even have Jalen Ramsey, but they have Vic Fangio now. So it's just like it automatically seems like it elevates those guys, those teams, into a different stratosphere in his mind. Look, the Texans came out with their depth chart. We'll get to some depth chart hot takes a little bit later. This starting 11 defensively has got some promise. Like, this starting 11 defensively looks good. Like, now these guys have to play to their potential. Like you mentioned with the Stingley, like, not only does he have to stay on the field, but he has to be a true number one corner in the NFL. Jalen Petrie has to take the next step. Jimmy Ward can't be washed. He can't be the Ed Reed version of, of you know, the Houston Texans Ed Reed version. Christian Harris needs to be, like, a 120 tackle kind of guy. Perryman needs to be solid. Uh, so there's like, but the starting eleven looks good. If you guarantee me, and you'll never be able to do this, but if you guarantee me health for the starting eleven all year, I think that they do have a top ten defense. The problem for me comes in the depth, and it's better than it was last year. Like Jerry Hughes, your number three defensive end, cool. You know they they brought back Jacob Martin to be kind of a niche, you know, pass rusher. Like he can fit that role. Okay, Roy Lopez has started a bunch of games in the first two years of his NFL career. He's a backup defensive tackle now. You bring up Kirksey, and like, yeah, James Palmer was way over rating Christian Kirksey he's a backup right now so like the depth is better but if you go to two or three of these guys you go from being a potential top 10 defense to now hoping that you're a top 16 defense so the stars have to align you have to stay healthy you got to keep these guys on the field and D'Amico needs to be the truth as a defensive play caller yeah look and I think Joe to your point though as much as anybody can love D'Amico and or the Niners you know and put the Niners at number four the one thing that I'm hoping the Texans can do which is, I think, some credit to, to, to both Nick and more so to D'Amico, trying to really go out and bring in outside help if they need to to improve their front seven. That front seven in San Francisco, no matter who their defensive coordinator is, has the ability to be as di- disruptive and violent as any front seven in football. And the players that they have are just hosses. And so no matter, you know, Jimmy Ward, uh, to me, yeah, he's a good player in that system. But their front seven, to me, yep. is as impressive as any front seven in football. And it's math, too, right? Yep. You have a good front seven, you get to the quarterback, it means you cover less. That's right. It'd be, it'd be and great. You have to cover as long. Yep. <laughs> Derek Stingley might not have to improve at all, but if Will Anderson is getting to the quarterback a lot faster, Derek Stingley is a better football player. Football yep. is a very dependent, variable sport. 713 780 3776. Do you think the Houston Texans can be a top 10 defense? Also, D'Amico Ryans to the national media says that CJ Stroud is going to start. On Thursday against the New England Patriots, how much playing time do you want to see C.J. Stroud get in the preseason? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.